Hey everyone, welcome back to the Potter's House, the podcast where we discuss how biblical topics, church life, and current events impact our everyday lives. My name is Marcus Ionescu and I'm your host, and today we are wrapping up the Meekness of Wisdom series with part three, which is titled Contrast in Outcomes. So uh, if you guys remember, for those of you who have not listened to the previous two, I recommend going back and starting with those two. Uh, but the very first episode in this series, this Meekness of Wisdom series that is based out of James chapter 3, verses 13 through 18, uh, the first episode was titled Contrast and Origins. Then the following week, uh, the next episode was titled Contrast and Operations. And finally, in this last episode that is wrapping up this series, we have the Contrast in Outcomes. And we're going to see how uh, this applies to the series overall, and uh, how how it wraps things up as well. But um, before we get into any details regarding this particular episode, I do want to make a couple of announcements. First, uh, we have our Instagram account at the Potter's House. That's where you can find us for any and all information. Uh, any new information that we have to present to let you know is there, and that's the best way where you can reach out if you would like to through the direct message of the Potter's House Instagram account. Also, uh, for streaming platforms, we have multiple streaming platforms, most notably uh, Apple Podcasts and I and sorry Spotify. And um, if you've been listening to this show for quite some time, you know that you can leave, leave a rating on both of those platforms. So for those of you who have iPhones, go to that purple icon, that Apple Podcasts app, Go to the Potter's House, scroll down, tap the stars because it really helps with the exposure of the show. And you can also leave a written review. And speaking of written review, I do want to read the, the latest one that we have. We haven't had one in a while. Uh, but this one's from Crystal today. So thank you, Crystal. And it says, amazing podcast, really looking deeply into the scriptures and how to practically apply it to your everyday life. Thank you for making this so relatable to everyone. Keep going, praying for this ministry to continue to touch people as it has for me. God bless you, Marcus. Uh, thank you, Crystal. Thank you so much for uh, the review and for all of you guys who have left reviews in the past. I know I say that it helps with the exposure of the show, but at the same time, it's very encouraging for me as well to see that uh, not only um, is there an impact through this ministry, but it reaches far out too. So um, that's, ver that's very encouraging as well. So thank you for that. And uh, that's Apple Podcast. And if you do listen on Spotify, or if you have a Spotify account, in addition to Apple Podcast, you can also leave a five-star rating over there as well. And again, please do so because it really helps with the exposure of the show. And I've been seeing more ratings go up. So thank you guys for uh, tapping those stars. I really, really appreciate it. Aside from that, uh, that's all that we have as far as uh, anything new, um, any other updates, I'll let you guys know as soon as they become more concrete. Uh, but as I said at the beginning of this episode, this is going to be a wrap-up of this series, and um, I know at the beginning of the previous two episodes, I, I had mentioned that I wanted to keep it short, and then it ended up being an hour long, and then I kind of said it the sa same thing at the second episode, I acknowledged the one-hour first episode, and then I went even longer, I think. So tonight, this episode is definitely going to be shorter. Uh, I purposely wrote less just so we can keep it shorter to, I guess, for your sake and for my sake as well. So let's dive into this, the contrast in outcomes. So 
for those of you who have not listened and are refusing to go back and listen, or for those of you who just need a short little recap on the previous two episodes, um, this series basically in James chapter 3, verses 13 through 18, talks about what godly wisdom should be, where it should come from, what fruits we are to produce, and how it should impact our lives. And that's uh, and that godly wisdom is juxtaposed with the worldly wisdom or the evil, earthly, fleshly wisdom that we can also tap into, uh, that a lot of world leaders and great thinkers and um, geniuses of the past that they have, and uh, basically we're comparing the two and seeing how how we can find the differences in these three different topics. So in the first installment, the first segment, we had the contrast and origins, right? The the origin was different of, of, of both of these different um, types of wisdom. So we, what we talked about was the the worldly wisdom came from the three uh, three different origins and we I believe it was James chapter 3 if I'm not mistaken verse 15 uh, I may be mistaken but somewhere in there and uh, the three different types of uh, worldly wisdom were first the uh, the earthly second the unspiritual and third the demonic and we kind of went a little bit in depth in those as far as what each of those means uh, what are some examples that we can either relate to practically or in scripture and uh, how those different origins came about. So if you guys remember the earthly, the secular source, the motivation behind that was the comprehension factor. Now, what does that mean? It means that people were on this earth and they, they saw these great creations. They saw, uh, they discovered these different sciences and these different laws, and they didn't know how to comprehend it without accepting that there is a creator, that there is a God out there. So what they did is they started to develop their own theories, uh, much more outlandish than what we have in Scripture, and uh, they just took it from there. So because they could not understand, they fabricated their own ideology to understand, and then eventually, as we know, they started to spread it in the education systems, and it went all downhill from there. So that was the earthly, the secular source, right? Now, the next one we talked about, and I'll try to keep this recap short, was the unspiritual, the sensual source, the, the fleshly source. And uh, the just the motivation behind this one was justification, right? People were experiencing different types of temptations. They were acting upon their fleshly temptations and their, and their sensual desires. And in order to basically not go crazy or and, and adhere to the moral code that God built in, into us, essentially, uh, they, they started to justify it. And then uh, I, talk, I mentioned a little bit about Freud, and now we have these different movements and these laws and these different genders and sexualities and all that. And that's how we got over here, right? People were indulging in their fleshly desires. And to justify that, um, they started to make it, they started to normalize it. And we I talked about the different stages as well. Third one was the demonic, the satanic source, the the deception factor, and this is the worst of the three at this point. You're just trying to cause chaos, and we talked about Satan. So those were the three types in the contrast and origins, and don't want to mention anything more over there just so we can get through this episode, but the second part was the contrast and operations, 
And basically, we looked at the, the evidences of false wisdom and the evidences of true wisdom. And uh, I listed a few, and these are just super practical ways to see where, I guess, which side of the fence you're leaning on. But uh, the evidences of false wisdom were envy, strife, boasting, and deceit. And then uh, the evidences of true wisdom were meekness, purity, peaceable, or peaceability, gentleness, compliance, mercy, good fruits, decisiveness, and sincerity. And then at the end of sincerity, we focus a little bit on trans transparency. So basically, if you're trying to examine yourself to see, hey, am I, am I tapping into this type of wisdom or that type of wisdom, or am I, am I trusting God in my, in my walk? Um, these are very practical ways to, to look at your everyday life and to see what fruits you're producing. Because at the end of the day, um, people have to look at us by our fruits, right? They can't judge our hearts because no one knows our hearts but God. So they look at our fruits, and if our fruits are not good, if it's bad fruit, then uh, you know we become a stumbling block. We, uh, we're just going to cause issues, and we talked about that in the last episode as well. So we have the contrast of uh, origins, the contrast in operations, and last but not least, we have the contrast in outcomes. And this is going to be a little more, I guess, practical, even more practical than the last one. It's not going to be that uh, that deep, to be honest, uh, just because uh, we're going to look at different passages uh, in the Bible to see how people, based off their decisions, based off the wisdom that they relied on, um, what what the outcome was, what the results were, and whether it was positive or negative. So I want to look at a couple examples today. But first, as I as I start this episode, uh, I just want us to think about the different laws that we have uh, in this world around us. Right? We have we have universal laws. And if I asked you, what are some universal laws back in your science class in grade school, high school, whatever college? Um, one of, I mean, we have what? Gravity, the law of gravity, and what does the law of gravity entail? Um, I guess by definition, it's, you know, particle attracted to another varying directly by the product of their masses. Uh, what that means is that the, the smaller object is attracted to the bigger object because, and that, that's what creates gravity, and, and essentially that's why we're not floating here on Earth. That's why we're planted on the ground because you're comparing our mass with the mass of the Earth. And then if you went if you went to the moon, for example, because the mass of the moon is significantly smaller than the mass of the Earth, we would weigh less, quote-unquote, on the moon because uh, the weaker gravitational pull to the core. So that's the law of gravity. That is a law that, that applies to everything we know in physics, everything we know in the universe, right? That is cemented. That's... That's not going to change. God created that. Uh, another law we have uh, that some of you may have learned is the law of energy conservation. Basically, energy cannot be created nor destroyed. Um, if you, For those of you who studied thermodynamics, it can only be transferred into different states. So, for example, um, when it comes to potential energy, when you... Uh, when you climb on a, you, let's say you go cliff jumping and uh, cliff jumping into a body of water, hopefully, um, and the higher you get up on that cliff, the more potential energy you're building. So when you jump off and then you hit the water, yeah, there's a force and there's a form of energy, but that energy didn't come from nowhere. It came from the, the energy buildup that you basically made, you fabricated by climbing up to that high elevation. Whatever, that's besides the point. The point is, 
those are universal laws that don't change. There's no flexibility in there. And uh, it's not to it's not going against God. It's God creating these laws so that we can live in some sort of structured and ordered world. So those are universal laws that we have. And if we look in scripture, we have some spiritual laws as well. And uh, I'd say the most common, maybe one of the most referenced spiritual laws explicitly mentioned, or as we see in the lives of the people in the Bible, is the law of what we reap is what we sow. We reap what we sow. And we see this so many times. There's multiple parables about it. There's scriptures about it. There's uh, examples that don't, like I said, explicitly mention this. And we're going to look at a couple of those today. But before we do that, I do want to read the passage that we're going to talk about, um, again, from James 3. And the verses are, first verse 16, which says, For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. And then jump to verse 18. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So the first point that I want us to understand is that the origin determines the outcome, right? Worldly wisdom produces trouble. Godly wisdom produces a harvest of righteousness, if we're going to basically go on what the what the verse just said. So the worldly wisdom that we were talking about produces a lot of the operatives that we mentioned in the previous episode, like uh, envy, strife, confusion, evil works. And I think one of the... Uh, best passages in scripture that this is, I would say, best highlighted and emphasized is in uh, Genesis chapter 11, when we're talking about the Tower of Babel, right? And uh, for those of you that aren't familiar with the passage, it's basically uh, a a group of people, um, and and, and the whole, uh, at this time in, in, in history, the whole earth had one language, and they used the same exact words. So everyone was able to communicate with one another, And even though they were commissioned in Genesis chapter 1, even though they were commissioned to go to spread out across the entire earth and have dominion and and be fruitful and multiply, they decided um, to to come together and build this tower for for selfish reasons, for selfish ambitions. And um, we see that in... uh, in, in Genesis 11, uh, one of the in the beginning verses, and I'll find the exact verse right now. Um, it's it's I believe it's in yeah verse four Genesis 11 verse four. It says that their desire was to make a name for themselves or make a name for ourselves if we're going to quote it. So the origin of their action of this of this uh, project that they wanted to work on, the motivation was what. To make a name for themselves. Now, let me ask you this, and I know this is not really the topic of the episode, but um, just like these people in this passage, is is the is your motivation for service in the church, outside the church, or whatever you're doing, is your motivation for service to make a name for yourself? I know it's kind of a thought-provoking question, right? Because we have to look back and see. Um, what why we're doing things and a lot and a lot of times we're, we're trapped in this in this uh routine of self-righteousness and um i guess similarly to these people to make a name out of ourselves and it's a problem because we are called to be what humble we're called to serve god alone and give him glory 
alone. And uh, unfortunately, a lot of people in the church today um, forsake that and, again, do things out of selfish ambition. So I guess that's just a little nugget over there, something to think about um, every single day as you're as you're serving the Lord, as you're going to church, as you're going out into the world, why are you doing it? Is it for, is it to impress someone? Is it to build some sort of status? Um, and I know I'm, I'm telling you firsthand that it's, it, trust me, it's very difficult. It's something that even I stumble upon a lot, uh, you know, to build status and to do all these different things. But at the end of the day, we want to serve God and give him glory alone. So let us not try to make a name for ourselves here on this earth as these people try to do. So that was the origin, right? To make a name for themselves. Now, if we're going to follow this pattern of, of the series that we had, we had the origin. Now, now let's look at the operation. What was the operation? And the operation was to disobey God's plan to fill the earth. And as I had mentioned uh, a few minutes ago, Genesis 1, 28, uh, I'll read it right here. It says, and God blessed them. And he's talking about man because he, ju- he had just created man. So verse 28, and God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. It says the same thing uh, even in uh, chapter 9 of Genesis uh, when uh when God is talking to Noah as well, the same commission to go out into the earth, be fruitful and multiply. And um, I mean, regardless of the motivation, do our actions adhere to God's commands? I think that's a question we need to ask ourselves because um, if our actions are not obeying the command of the Lord, then then we really have to reevaluate what we're doing uh, in our life. We have to really make sure that first and foremost, at least what we do and how we live our lives morally, uh, physically, uh, within the church, within our families, within the workplace, does it align with Scripture and does it align with God's commands? Because if it doesn't, we need to address that immediately. So we have the origin, the operation, and what was the outcome of the Tower of Babel, right? If we go back to Genesis 11, what was the outcome? Now, we know that their, what, their tongues were confused, their languages were changed, were confused, so they no longer had the same language. They had a bunch of different languages, and they were dispersed among uh, they were dispersed uh, upon the earth. Right? They weren't in the same place anymore. And the outcome, the result of all this, of the disobedience of of wanting to make a name for themselves, was what? Was confusion, disorder, dispersion? Right? They were they were they were gone. They were not in the same place anymore. So. Um, you know, there are times when we must take a step of faith, but we as believers should not dwell in confusion, right? Because confusion sets the stage of evil. Uh, and um, I do want to mention another example. I know we talked about the Tower of Babel here and how their, I guess, their reliance on their own wisdom and on their basically taking it upon themselves to do something for themselves resulted in them being confused and dispersed. We know that. Um, I do want to talk about Solomon a little bit, uh, pretty much for the rest of this episode, because how can you have a series of on wisdom and not mention King Solomon? So we know that Solomon was what? He was the third king of Israel. He was the son of David, uh, son of David and Bathsheba, but he was not the, the child that was um, 
born out of the sin because that child was cursed and died. Uh, but he was born after that. So he basically inherited inherited the throne from King David. And uh, we know that he was the wisest man on earth. Um, at that, obviously, aside from Jesus, he was the wisest man on the planet. And we have to ask ourselves why he was that. And we'll get to that uh, eventually. But I do want to mention um, uh, the fact that he did have this sort of dual life. Now, if you read in... Uh, Second, uh, I believe it's Second Chronicles. If you go through, start, start from the very beginning, it talks about the the, the kingship and the life of Solomon. Uh, we know that he started very well. We know that uh, as soon as he became king, or uh, right before he became king, he was um, basically trained by his father to. I mean, he inherited a lot of uh, spoils of war from all the war victories that David had. And once he became king, instead of seeking out uh, riches or power or any of these material things, um, he went before the Lord and sought out wisdom. So we know that uh, he was blessed. He was able to build the temple, uh, the very first temple. And uh, the first part of his life, the first part of his reign as king was great. Now, if we continue in the scripture, we also know that the second half was very bad. We know that uh, he was uh, a man of many wives. He had 300 wives, 700 concubines. He was um, worshiping idols. And I do want to talk a little bit about uh, that, just because um, we're still on the negative side of things over here. Uh, I do want to finish the negative part, which is the the Tower of Babel example and uh, basically the negative outcomes that we see in Scripture because of this. And then I want to talk about the positive. So I'm going to start with the second half of Solomon's life, and then we're going to talk about the first half. So... Um, as we know, there was a bit of, there was, Solomon had this, it was, they, they call it Solomon's decadence, right? It was his moral downfall, his moral decline, his cultural decline. And uh, the sins that we see in scripture that constituted his decadence are are five different ones. Their first, sensuality. Second, evil companionship. Third, extravagance. Fourth, oppression. And fifth, idolatry. So, um as we know, if we start with the first one, sensuality, right off the bat, he, if, if you look at, uh, well, let's start with this. Let's look at Song of, uh, Song of Songs, right? Song of Solomon. Um, it is a book that uh, many scholars believe that the male figure in that book, the man, the king, the prince, uh, is Solomon. I mean, it's it's sort of some, uh, they think, they believe it's some sort of autobiography because he's talking about himself. Now, we know that he had kept himself pure at that point, and it talks about how a man and a woman should pursue a relationship and, and marriage and, and, and the issues that come with it afterwards. So we know that at the beginning of his life, he was a, he was a man of one wife, and he did not arouse love before it was time, basically, if, if I can loosely quote that. But eventually, he started to... Uh, indulge in this in this uh, sensuality and he had hundreds of wives and hundreds of concubines and uh, they were foreigners as well and we see a lot of uh, I guess the undertones of, of, of this lifestyle and of the pain that he was uh, experiencing in Ecclesiastes so song song of songs songs of Solomon everything was great he was young he was uh, doing any basically everything in, in accordance to, to God's law. And then when he strayed, he, uh, he becomes a little more pessimistic in, in, in Ecclesiastes. So 
Um, we know that he indulged over there. So for you guys out there, for myself first, myself included, uh, sensuality is a big issue in our culture. It's a big issue in our church, and it's something that needs to be uh, crucified and disciplined. Obviously, um, we can't escape the bodies that we're in right now, but as long as we're alive here on this earth, it's something that we're going to have to fight every single day. And if we do not want the same outcome as Solomon, uh, we should be very, very careful and very motivated to to stay pure in every which way that we can, uh, regardless of the sacrifices required to do so. So let us learn from the mistake that Solomon made. Let us uh, adhere to a godly life and a godly way of pursuing relationship and marriage, and let us abstain from sensual um, abuses, if I, if I can call it that. So first, it was a sensuality that led to his downfall, or was was his downfall, essentially. Second, it was evil companionship. Um, at that point, I mean, f- for you guys, if practically, we know that the people around us influence us greatly. And it's important to realize that, um, yes, it's it's important to realize that, yes, we, we have to reach out to people. We, we should be friends with people in the world. But at the same time, your friendship, your tie to that person should be solely in, in, in a mission to evangelize that person. So if your goal is not to evangelize to that person that you're hanging out with that is not a believer, then... I mean, I'm not going to say you shouldn't be hanging out with them because that should be a problem, right? If you're hanging out with someone who's not a believer, I mean, you should be you should be testifying. You should be doing everything you can to pray for that person, to preach to that person, to share the gospel with that person. Because if you're not, then then what's the point? You're just getting you're just getting, getting uh, influenced in a negative way. So it's important that we uh, surround ourselves with not only um, you know believers, obviously outside of the context of evangelism, because we do need to evangelize, but we need to be careful on who we allow in our circle. And I know this sounds bad. I know this sounds very unchristlike. And I know there are people out there who are like, no, everyone this, everyone that. We should, you know, bring everyone in. But guys, we have to be wise in everything that we do. We have to be wise in who we uh, share to, right? There should be an inner circle, then an outer circle. And again, yes, we can be friends with people in the world, right? We're in the world not of the world, we're in the world, but at the same time, the people that we're friends with, may it be coworkers, family members, um, classmates, whatever it may be, our mission, whenever we're around that person, should be to evangelize that person. Now, that doesn't mean to follow them and their friend group into a bar or follow them and their friend group to some uh, setting that is not glorifying God because that's, that's, that's compromise in itself, but we have to be careful on uh, who our companions are, and we have to make sure that they are people of quality. So Solomon, again, one of one of his other downfalls was the evil companionship. Third, it was the extravagance, and we know that not only did he inherit a lot of uh, riches from from David, right? Because David, uh, basically from the spoils of war, uh, all his war victories resulted in. And, and a lot of money for the kingdom, but uh, Solomon was also blessed with riches from God after seeking out wisdom, and we know that from Scripture. Now, there's nothing wrong with having uh, money and wealth and and expensive things, but we have to be careful that doesn't that it does not carry us away, 
we have to make sure that we are rooted, we are humble, we are giving, right? We give with a with a charitable heart. And we have to understand that anything that we have on this earth, whether it's um, tangible or intangible, whether it's a spiritual gift, whether it's uh, a lot of cash, whatever it may be, it's all from God. And we are not owners of those things. We are stewards of those things. And everything that we do with those different talents, those gifts, the riches, should be for the glory of God because he is the one who gave it to us in the first place. He is the one who gave it to Solomon in the first place. And yes, he did some great things with that, uh, most notably building that temple. But then it led to it led to other things because it got out of control. So again, discipline and control is a major theme here. Um, and then I want to quickly go over these next couple ones. Um, you know, oppression. I think, uh, and I think this this message can best can be best for the people out there who have positions of leadership. Uh, be careful with how you use your power. Make sure you do not abuse your power. Make sure that, um, and we understand this from the teachings of Jesus, that uh, we as leaders should be the servants. That our goal is to serve the people that we're leading, is to serve the youth, to serve the church, serve the the charity foundation, serve the, the whatever ministry that we're plugged into that we're leading, we should be serving. Because as soon as we step out of that mentality, what happens? Uh, we see we see what happens to Solomon. We see what happens to a lot of kings who abuse that power, right? Um, there was a time where Israel was ruled by judges, and then Israel cried out for a king, and and uh, and then as we see, the, we had a lot of bad kings in the history of Israel, a lot more than than they would have wished for. And I'm sure, if, had they known how many bad kings were were coming up in the lineup, uh, I'm sure they would have been very content sticking with the judges. If we're gonna if we're gonna assume that, so uh, oppression, another thing. If you have a position of leadership, make sure you're very careful with with how you use that. And then lastly, we see idolatry, and uh, as as we know, Solomon uh, erected a lot of temples to these different uh, gods, and uh, basically indulged in this heathenism and this idolatry, and and uh, it just it just got worse from there. So obviously, there, this was a progression of events, and you don't stumble upon this overnight but the less discipline we come the less we the more we stray away from God's commands from God's word um, this this could be a, a big issue so um, a couple of mistakes he made was he was broad in his views make sure we're not broad in our views uh, we can we can be open-minded but at the same time what scripture tells us that's what it is let's not add to it let's not take away from it make sure we're narrow-minded in that way. Uh, because the path, the path to salvation is what narrow. We can be open-minded in how we interact with one another, but in, in our belief system, it should be narrow. We we cannot, we cannot be bombarded with these different ideologies because that's going to lead us astray, and that's going to lead other people astray who are in our circles, who are under our influence. Um, and then let's he also let's see Solomon also wished that. Basically, everything that he did was connected to his own magnificent, magnificent. Well, sorry, magnificence. Uh, long day. So, um, same thing with the people of the Tower of Babel, right? They wanted to make a name for themselves. Make sure that the things that we do do not point to ourselves. They're not connected with us. Uh, it's not making a brand for ourselves, but it's pointing to God and giving Him the glory alone. And then one of the last mistakes he made. Uh, or lastly, I would say, is he he tried to please and attract surrounding nations. So 
Um, Israel was not very popular for a lot of different reasons. Uh, a lot of the surrounding nations were, if we if we can assume, were, were very jealous of them. They did, they did not like them. Uh, they did not like their, their God. And uh, Solomon, instead of adhering to God's commands, uh, was was not as strict with this. And I, I see this happening in our with us as well, right? Where a lot of us become people pleasers, and in doing so, we we loosen up on our moral values, and that's and that's a big issue, right? We we cannot be people pleasers. If people don't like in what we believe in, we cannot compromise our beliefs. We just have to be ourselves in that way and pray that the Holy Spirit will convict the heart of that person, whether he or she is a believer or not. So a lot of different issues that we see, and we see that uh, Solomon had a lot of struggles. We know that even he wasn't even that old when, when he was going through all these illnesses, and and, and he, was, he was like in his 60s, and he was, I guess, in, in the physical state of someone in, in their 80s, as, as, a, as Scripture kind of uh, hints at. But all these different things led to a huge decline, a huge downfall. So we got to be careful on what we allow into our lives. We have to be careful on what is what is the origin of our wisdom. We have to be careful on what fruits we produce. Make sure we catch it at that stage. Because if not, we're going to end up like Solomon with a thousand wives, with illnesses, with um, a divided nation, with, with all these different things. And uh, he was... I mean, he had every resource uh, at, at his uh, disposal. He, he was basically prepped to be the most successful king. And because of all all these different things, um, it did not end well with him. And uh, interestingly enough, we see in Proverbs, um, and this is kind of building off the whole uh, sensuality part where he, he started to have multiple wives. He started with one in Song of Solomon and then added 100 another um, you know, 299 and then 700 concubines. But uh, the beginning of Proverbs, in the first nine verses, we see this uh, imagery used between two different women. There's the noble lady, and then there's Lady Folly, right? Uh, and, and it basically uh, uses characteristics to, com- to compare uh, just laws in Scripture, and it attributes them to these two different uh, images, um, a noble woman and then a woman who is immoral. And uh, the immoral woman is actually most highlighted in uh, chapters 6 and 7 of Proverbs, where it talks about the adulterous woman. And it talks about, uh, refers to her as a a prostitute in verse 7. So, uh, interestingly enough, he he mentions that, and then we we see all this unfold. So, we need to be careful on what we do. We need to be careful on where our heart is set and what motivates us to to do different things. Because if not, uh, we can end up in the bottom of a pit and uh, it will not be good for us. So that is what hap- That is the outcome of someone who basically does not rely on God's wisdom, does not stay in the course that God has basically set for us and the path that he has paved for us. So that's, that's it with the negative. I'm tired of talking about negative things. I do want to wrap up a little bit here um, with the positive. So like I said earlier, the um, worldly wisdom produces trouble, so that means God's wisdom produces blessing. Now, we're going to jump back up in uh, Solomon's earlier years as king uh, in Second Chronicles, uh, the beginning of Second Chronicles, and we see here that he does a few things uh, before he uh, asks, goes before the Lord in prayer. Uh, and we see this in verse, verses 2 and 3. So 
Solomon's journey to the temple is presented as a public enterprise that involves all of Israel. So he reaches out to, to different people and brings them in um, as he's preparing this transition phase of him becoming king. So um, what, is that, what does that entail for us today? Like how, how, does that, how is that practical for us today? Like I said in the previous episode about the whole transpar- transparency and sincerity, whatever we do, if it's for the Lord, if it's for the ministry, it always helps when we bring people in. Um, if it's a relationship, it always helps if you bring people in. Someone who's older, more experienced, uh, parents, pastors, ministry leaders, whoever it is, uh, maybe friends who have more experience, always bring people in because a lot of the times they'll see things in you that you don't quite see in yourself. So, um, I mean, that's in the context of relationship. In the context of ministry, if you want to start a new ministry, if you want to jump into a new role, bring people in. See what your parents have to say about it. See what your pastor has to say about it. Uh, and, and don't just get one biased view. Don't just get uh, your one friend who who just tries to please you and says what you like. No, get a variety of different views, bring, bring them in, and then kind of balance it out. And uh, you, you'll know the voice of God when he's calling you to a certain ministry. But at the same time, uh, one of the ways that God's wisdom is manifested is through the godly people around you. So make sure that uh, we do we follow in Solomon's footsteps. Literally, first thing he did before he goes to the temple, uh, brings brings people in. Uh, second thing he did, and, and it's again in the same in the same passage over here in Second Chronicles, is he brings uh, I believe it said it bring, he brought forth a thousand. Uh, sacrifices, a thousand offerings. So how does that translate it for us? Uh, obviously, we don't sacrifice things here, not literally anymore, but um, our works matter. Uh, don't stay stagnant. Don't sit there and do nothing if you're if you're in a time of if you're in a period of waiting, if you're if you're uh, in a stage in life that requires you to wait for something. Don't sit around and do nothing. Uh, I remember I was talking with uh, Danny Kovacs and his wife, Daniela, when we had that um, Wire Single episode. And uh, for the people out there who were single, he was saying, like, listen, like, don't don't just sit around and wait and, and wait to have your life fulfilled once you get married. No, do work for the kingdom now because you're going to have more time. You're going to have, uh, I guess, uh, better suited environments to be to be pruned and to be refined right now when you're alone and you have less responsibility and then you'll be more prepared for the next stage in your life. So wherever you're at right now, let's say if you believe that, I don't know, God has a calling for you to enter a certain ministry and, and you're not at that stage in life yet or or that door hasn't opened yet, that doesn't mean you shouldn't do any do anything. No. Do what you can to prepare yourself for that ministry. If you're waiting for a call to go overseas in mission work and, and you're just sitting and you feel like you can't, you're helpless right now. No. Read the word. Become a prayer warrior. Uh, spend time with the Lord. Uh, preach to people here. Before you preach to people on the other side of the world, preach to people here who speak the same language as you because they, um, tr- trust me, they need it too. Everyone needs it. So don't wait. Uh, don't wait for God to do something in, in, in order for you to actually bring forth your offerings. No, we have faith. We take a step of faith. We do the work now and then we see the outcomes. We see the results as they unfold uh, giving God all the glory eventually. So, and the last thing he did in this passage was what? He asks for wisdom. He literally goes before the Lord and in prayer asks for wisdom. Now, what does this say? 
obviously he could have asked for anything else on the planet. He could have asked for riches. He could have asked for strength. He could have asked for, um, I don't know, a council around him. He could have asked for military success. He could have asked for uh, bountiful harvest. I don't, any, literally anything. But what it shows is that Solomon prioritized wisdom, and that's why he asked for it. And as we see, God not only granted him wisdom, but God granted him a lot more things uh, in addition to that. And we see that uh, in his life, and we see that in the first half, again, did a lot of great things. He was he was the one who built the temple. Obviously, David could not, uh, David, his father, could not build the temple because he had too much blood on his hands from his uh from his military um, expeditions, but Solomon was chosen to build this temple, and uh, the early part of his life, he was able to do a lot for the for the Lord because of that, and we see a lot of that. Obviously, we know what happens later, but um, I just want to encourage you, wherever you're listening, seek it out. Whatever you want, seek it out. Ask God, and, and wisdom is so important because it helps us with every other decision that we have to make. If you have wisdom, you know uh what to do when you're when you're in a conflict with another individual if you have wisdom you know how uh you know what to do if you're leading a certain ministry and you have to deal with certain people if you have wisdom you know what's the next step for you and your family wisdom helps a lot and we see that in the bible and we see that in our own lives and i hope we've been encouraged uh on what we heard in in this series and i do want to conclude and i know i said that this will be short and as I'm looking at the time, that doesn't appear to be so, so I do apologize for that. Um, but as we conclude, I do want to talk about the author of this book. Um, obviously, we know that God is the author of, of his word, and every word in scripture is inspired, is divinely inspired by the Holy Spirit, but the scribe, the person who put pen to paper, was James, as we know. Uh, and this is James, not the son of Zebedee, not the disciple, it is James the brother of Jesus, the younger brother of Jesus. And um, it's just, it's interesting to look at his life as we see in Scripture that um, at first he did not recognize Christ's authority and deity, right? He he and his family, and we see this in John chapter 7, I believe verse 5, he and his family thought Jesus was losing his mind. They, they were not uh, on board and understanding of what he was saying. Like, what are you doing? Why are you saying these different things? It doesn't make sense. And it's crazy to compare that with after the resurrection, uh, his life after the resurrection, where he becomes a, a major church leader in Jerusalem. And um, as we know, James, the book of James is considered to be the wisdom book of the New Testament. It's the parallel to Proverbs in the New Testament. And it's crazy to think that uh, James, growing up, sat at the same table, shared probably shared a room, wrestled with probably fought over the toothpaste. I don't know, all these different things. He did all these different things with literally wisdom incarnate, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And I think he probably thought about this looking back. Obviously, in his younger age, he was like, man, who's this guy? Why is he doing this? He's so annoying. He's my older brother, all these different things. For those of you who have siblings, you know. But looking back, as he's a, a church leader in Jerusalem after Jesus had ascended, and looking back, he probably looked back on his life, especially probably when he's writing this book as well, and he's thinking like, wow, I literally grew up with wisdom incarnate. He was there with me, and now I see all these different things, and now they all line up. So as a concluding question, 
Uh, it's something that we've highlighted over the course of this series and something that we should ask ourselves not just once, but regularly, every day if we have to. But I want us to ask ourselves this one question. Does my fruit reveal to me that my wisdom comes from the world or from the Lord? It's a simple question. I'm sure many of you can answer it within seconds, but if what we're doing, if, if the fruit that we're producing, or maybe we're, we already got to the outcome stage where we're, we're really struggling, where um, maybe it's academically, maybe it's within relationships, maybe it's within a, a marriage, or with your relationship with your kids, or, or maybe the strife that you have uh, in the church between you and your pastor, or between you and another person, uh, maybe we let it get, to, get that far. Hopefully we didn't, but even if we did, let's ask ourselves this question. And if, if, if we do answer the question with the world, right, if, if our wisdom comes from the world and we recognize our wrongdoings and we recognize our faults and all the mistakes that we made, first, let's go before the Lord and repent. Let's ask for forgiveness. Let's ask for a new heart. Let's ask for a restored spirit in us that we may, again, have the joy of salvation, that we may be equipped and ready and filled so that we can walk in the way that God has called us to do. And then if once once that happens, let's confess that Christ is our Savior. Let us pursue him in the scriptures. Let us obey God's commands. Let us pray every single day, develop a regular prayer life. Because once we do these things, again, starting off with confession, starting off with repentance, once we do these different things, we're going to see the good fruits that are produced. We're going to see that the wisdom that we have comes from the Lord and it and it yields and produces humility and, and it lets us allows us to walk in humility. It it yields good fruit so that we can be a light to the people around us, that we can be uh helpful to the brothers and sisters in Christ that we have around us, and we can be a light to the people who are in the world and they'll see that we're different from them. Because if, if they see that we're the same as them, that's not gonna help. But if they see that we're different, it's gonna get their mind jogging. And lastly, it'll get us out of those situations uh, like the people in the Tower of Babel, right, who were confused and dispersed, like Solomon at the end of his life who was just living in misery. It was super existential, as we've seen in Ecclesiastes. Let us live for the Lord. Let us be humble. Let us search the scriptures and understand that the wisdom that comes from God is so much more beneficial than the wisdom that comes from man, than the wisdom that comes from this world. Because every gift that God gives is by far so much superior than anything else that we can make or fabricate for ourselves. So I hope you guys enjoy this series. Hopefully you got something out of it, uh, even if it's just some nugget of wisdom, no pun intended, uh, in this three-part series. But like I said at the very beginning in the first episode, this passage has been in my heart for almost a year now, and it's really convicted me to to examine my life and to see like where where my wisdom was coming from because majority of my adult life even even when i was younger a lot of the wisdom that i had came from the world came from my own selfish ambitions but not only uh not until recently did i realize that i needed to make that change and i needed to seek the lord and that that my wisdom needed to come from him so that my ministry or the ministry that god is using through me can be effective here on this earth with the people that it's impacting. So I thank the Lord for that, and I pray that God continues to work in your hearts, that he may encourage you 
And also, if, if there's someone on your mind, someone on your heart that may be struggling with this particular sin or this particular issue, uh, send send this over to them. Send the series to them. I'm sure, Hopefully, they'll benefit from it. If not, that's fine. Um, but I do appreciate you guys tuning in. I do appreciate you guys listening to this. So uh, that's a wrap on this series. Uh, I don't know how often I'm going to do these types of series or these solo episodes because it is exhausting and it is time-consuming. Uh, but I'm thankful for the Lord for giving me strength to be able to put this out there, and I hope you guys were encouraged by it. So thank you guys for for supporting me in that. So um, as I wrap things up, like you know, per usual, uh, the Potter's House is the Instagram account for any and all updates. If you want to reach out uh, and if you have an opinion on these types of episodes, these series, uh, more solo episodes, and you want to, and it could be a good, uh, positive or a negative review. Um, or constructive criticism, if I can say that. Um, whatever your opinion is on it, uh, and you want to share that with me, feel free to go to the Potter's House DMs and let me know, because uh, I love to hear multiple perspectives. So you can do that on the Instagram, at the Potter's House. Like I said earlier, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, other streaming platforms. If you have any of the two that I mentioned earlier, uh, Please leave a five-star review, write a review on Apple Podcasts if you uh, haven't already, because it really helps with the exposure of the show. So thank you guys so much for tuning in. Any, any updates that I have going forward, I'll let you know as soon as I can, as soon as I have that cemented. Uh, but thank you guys for all the support, for your prayers, and for everything. I truly appreciate it, and I'm honored to be serving alongside you. So thank you guys, and we will see you next time.